All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. Holidays are upon us. Ease in. Don't freak out. Try to have a good time. I want to wish everyone, everyone, a happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to all. I didn't even know it was Hanukkah until like midway through the day yesterday. It's weird when you primarily live alone and perhaps the person in your life isn't Jewish and your parents are sort of onto their own things. And I, I don't know, just nobody, I, I it's kind of a little sad to light the candles alone. I've done it. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll light them uh, with Kit. I don't know. Uh, but I didn't know. And I didn't know it was the first day yesterday. And uh, I, I do know it's the second day today. So happy Hanukkah. And uh, again, um, well, nothing again. Just happy Hanukkah. Okay? All right, good. So today on the show, Ryan Johnson is here. He's the director of Brick Looper, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and Knives Out. His new movie, Glass Onion, premieres on Netflix this Friday. Caught up with all his stuff. Got into it. Got the vibe. I liked Looper. I actually liked all of them. Didn't watch the Star Wars movie because I think I would have had to uh, to uh, get up to speed. It would have taken me a lifetime. So, look, man, exciting times as we head into the holidays. It seems that three of the four narcissists of the Idiocalypse are, you know, kind of spiraling out flaming out amazing exciting times you know the singularity has happened people it's just very disappointing but the machines are dictating what most of the culture thinks about and it's ridiculous and stupid i know there's a lot of things going on but why do we need to know why do we why does anyone i am so tired of anything to do with donald trump driving any any part of culture and the fact that he gets on tv to sell his electronic baseball cards with him you know shooting lasers out of his eyes in such a kind of like just a crazy eddy type of infomercial i mean is he still your president man i mean it's like that's your president are you still proud will you still follow that guy to the end of the world i know some of you are so out of your mind that you think it's some sort of intentional diversion but that is actually Donald Trump returning to being Donald Trump in his purest form. Huckster Donald showing trading cards. Day late, dollar short, that guy. Kanye is just digging himself in, the other narcissist of the apocalypse. Full-on Jew-hating spiral of some kind. Just, I guess, I don't know, maybe he's got some followers too. Maybe he's still your guy, Kanye. The genius. This is how a genius unravels in just a a uh, a fit of ongoing anti-Semitic statements. The genius, another genius, Elon Musk. That guy is paranoid. He bans journalists because he thinks he's going to get assassinated. How much Adderall do you got to be doing? He's just sitting around, shutting things down. Get rid of them. They're coming to get me. Where's my cowboy hat? Who's going to assassinate Elon Musk? He's more likely to fall off of something or jump out of something or have something he made burst into flames. But so those three, those three narcissists of the Idiocalypse are seem to be flaming out. 
Fine with me. I don't like them dictating conversations. When I watch comedy, it's like everybody has to have their angle on all that shit, and it's so boring. There's more interesting things going on around the corner from me with regular people. I'm sure there's a lady down the street knitting some blanket for her grandchild is infinitely more exciting than anything going on with Donald Trump, Kanye West, or Elon Musk. Just her sitting there reflecting and trying to decide what color wool to use. Infinitely more interesting. There might be a guy around the corner just sitting around in sort of a sad state wondering what's wrong with his dog's dick. That Who did, wouldn't want to hear that story? Elon Musk sitting around by himself in an office. People right across the street from me. Someone may have had one of their toes amputated. That's more interesting than anything those guys are saying or doing. Bring it back to the community. Am I right? So there is something I do want to talk about in a real way, in an emotional way, in a personal way. Silver Friedman has passed away. Now, many of you have heard of Bud Friedman. We, uh, I think we reposted his episode. He passed away not too long ago, a month or so ago. Silver Friedman is Bud Friedman's ex-wife. Now, Bud Friedman... Everyone knows Bud Friedman, the guy with the monocle from the evening at the improv. But his ex-wife, Silver, many years ago, before I started doing comedy, uh, in the divorce settlement, she got the original improv, the original one, the first improv on 44th Street, Hell's Kitchen in New York City. That was the place where it started as sort of a cabaret, kind of a variety club, kind of a hangout for people after the theater uh, you know, a lot of people in the theater would come and sing and do numbers and do bits and sketches and uh, comedians would go. It was just, it has a long history. And many people who started there at the original improv, this is in New York City. This is before Catch a Rising Star, before the comic strip. The original improv was there forever. And everyone moved through there. And everyone who, before they left for LA, moved through the original improv. And back in the day, it was Silver and Bud. Uh, working at that place. Then Bud splits, comes to LA, and now Silver had this place. Now, when I moved to New York City from Boston, 1989, after I'd been doing, started working as a comic in 1988, New York was a tough city. It was a tough city to get work in. It was a tough city to get passed in. There wasn't just, you know, 100 bringer shows or 90 different places to do all comedy. There were comedy clubs. There was The Cellar. There was The Strip. There was Dangerfields. There was Catch a Rising Star. And then when there was what was left of the old improv. The old improv was hanging on down there on 44th Street. Boston Comedy Club was another place. Now, I couldn't get work at The Cellar for eight years. But Silver, over at the original improv, let me work right from the get-go. She put me on right when I got to New York. And she was uh, an intense person, a difficult person. Sometimes she just kind of had to keep your distance because she was mad about something. But she had things to say. She was uh, creative. She had input. She would watch you. She was engaged with all of us, uh, you know, all of us broken toys, all of us drifting Jews (laughs) going in and out of the improv. Some guys you know worked the door there. I think Atel worked the door there. I think uh, Kevin Brennan uh, worked the door there, those guys from my generation. But it was not a popular club. It was this rundown kind of relic of a different time, but it was still going. In my recollection, it said the improvisation on the wall in letters, and I believe the eye was hanging, was dangling forever. There were just tables, the stage was very low. 
there was a bar out front. There were all these black and white pictures behind glass on the wall when you walked in. Everybody was there. The ones that, you know, you'd, there was pictures of Liza Minnelli. There was Pryor. There was uh, guys in comedy teams that you, that you didn't know. And, the, and she would put us on. And she was very supportive. She's one of the first people to give me work. And she passed away. I went to her memorial, and I, I you know, I, I had been out of touch. I, her daughter Zoe Friedman uh, is still in the business. She booked Letterman for a brief period of time. Gave me my first Letterman. The Friedman ladies helped me out more than uh, than most people. But Silver's gone, and I went to the memorial for a little while, and I left. And I saw some people. I saw Dom there, and Fitzsimmons was there, and some old faces that I hadn't seen in many years. Um, Mike Ivy. But like, I remember Silver very well because you know she she supported me and believed in me, and was hard on me. But but it's heavy, man. You know, even though I don't, you know, I was out of touch with her obviously for many years, and she was out here with Zoe. But you know, when when Zoe texted me, I wanted to be there. I wanted to go over there and pay my respects, say hi to Zoe, and just you know. Everybody knows who Bud Friedman is, but Silver Friedman was very important to many of us who were starting out in New York and we're just trying to get a a foothold. The club was, you know, it was it had, had its time and she was always struggling to keep it going. It was really something. That's where I met Dan Vitale. I remember like one time when Bill Hicks was in New York for five minutes, he decided to move there at some point. I can't remember what year it was. It must have been 89, 90. He wasn't there that long, but I remember it was New Year's Eve and we were just hanging around that improv and no one was in there, really. And, you know, the Times Square thing was just around the corner. And me and Vitaly, they're both dead. Me and Vitaly were hanging around. Hicks comes in. It's like, Happy New Year. Let's go down and watch the ball. And I just remember me and Vitaly and Bill Hicks. And Vitaly was heavy at that time. Big boy. We're just, it's freezing cold and we're just wandering, trying to get to Times Square to see something. But there was thousands of people. And then Hicks was like, let's go back. And we went back, and it was just like there was ten of us bringing in the new year. I remember, it was funny to see Hicks there because it was, you know, there was it was like nine, ten people sometimes. You know, they just wasn't drawing crowds, and Hicks would be up there just yelling at them. It was quite stunning. He was a little too he was too angry for New York. But I remember one time I was sitting in the back of the room. There was probably twenty people in it, and for some reason Brian Regan had come by. So late eighties probably, and Hicks was just sitting back there, and he was just sort of man, I love watching. Brian Regan. It's a beautiful Hicks moment because they couldn't have been more different. Both great performers, but you know, subject-wise, polar opposites. But I, you know, I'm so, I'm the same way. I like watching. There's people I like to watch that are just funny. Anyway, the original improv in its final days is very important to me. Silver Friedman played a very important role in my life as an early as an early supporter of me and as somebody who gave me stage time uh before anyone else would and uh i just wanted to to say that i love you silver and rest in peace so look this guy ryan johnson uh is a a true film nerd and a a true film craftsman and i watch many of his movies to see his his evolution as a filmmaker glass onion a knives out mystery is streaming on netflix starting friday and this is my conversation with ryan johnson (laughs) 
I sit out there, I like smoke a cigar, I'm like, oh, yeah. this is worth it all. Yeah. How many cigars do you smoke a day? I, uh, you one I, keep a day it, I keep it to one, yeah, one a day. Yeah. Are you a cigar smoker? I, I, well, I was off nicotine for years, and, and yeah. it's like, uh, you know, now, like, because I'm under a certain amount of stress, and I was going to Canada, and yeah. somehow I made the exception, but it's like, when you're a nicotine addict, all it takes is one, and then it's a downhill slope. It can start to, yeah. But, so, uh, so, but I've been smoking them yeah. a bit again. Yeah. What do you I, smoke? I, I smoke, well, when I go over to yeah. London, I basically, I feel like a bootlegger. I, yeah. I just pile up on Cubans sure. and bring them back. So, so um, you like the Cubans still? I like the Cubans. Yeah. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a placebo effect thing, just that I know that they're Cubans, but I swear that they do taste. They taste different better. and yeah. specific. Yeah. And they all yeah, have yeah. a similar thing. Yeah. They have different degrees of strength and depth, but, right. but there is a Cuban taste. No doubt. Yeah. So I started with Goibas, and they recently a buddy of mine got me into the Partagas. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but, Partagas yeah. like number Partagas twos or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just beautiful. It's just yeah, they're really good. Yeah, you should. I, I like strong ones. You should try to get some of those uh, Cuban Bolivars. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, but I just I, I like to sweat and feel a little nauseous. Have you ever smoked? Me. Yeah, I tried because I was pretentious in my twenty. You ever smoked a pipe? You ever smoked? Uh, like- I've, I've I've smoked just about everything you can smoke. <laughs> like I think. I think I tried a pipe at some point in time, but there's really no way to pull it off. It it also it fucks you up. Like it's actually like I don't know. I I'm not a pot smoker at yeah. all. I never smoked cigarettes. Yeah. It's just cigars for me. Yeah. Um, but a pipe like is a lot strong. It looks so quaint, but it's actually like knocks you on your sure, ass. Man. It's actually like yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, you got in all of them. You're gonna inhale a little bit. Yeah, and you can yeah. kind of feel it happening. Pipes yeah. are fun because they're sweet. A lot of people like those hookahs. Like uh, there's uh, yeah, yeah. like the water pipe thing. Yeah, the big yeah. water pipes. that yeah. sit around and do that business. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. pipes are a little hard to pull off. Were you in high school smoking a pipe? Oh, like if you had, no, I was in college. It was worse. You can imagine a fucking college student smoking this bro doing the pipe. pipe thing. Oh, There's Christ. no. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was Tolkien. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's no way to pull it off. Oh God. There's just so no fucking worst. No way to be yeah. like casual about no, a pipe. Can't do it. I don't. That's I why don't I don't like cigars because they're such a bro culture. I know that's the problem. Like cigar aficionado and all that shit is kind of like I don't want to be seen smoking them, but I just I, I just enjoy them. I'm just like a nicotine fiend and. Yeah. Like I'll get yeah. a Jones on the road, yeah. and I'll go to a cigar place, and you know where I can smoke inside, and it's it's like five or six of the same guys, <laughs> no matter where you go. It's like a, a small Commedia della Arte of uh, cigar bro characters. You know, there's always a fucking sports game on. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I just try to. I, I try to. Occasionally, I'll have a good conversation there, but yeah. I'm just uh, like I try to keep it around the drug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just focus on your own. So your the movie came out like it made like a bunch of money in the movie theater. It did all right. Yeah, yeah, it did good. I mean, it was it was it was a weird thing because it was kind of a it wasn't a limited release, but it was like only like 600 theaters. It wasn't like a wide release. But it was like this weird kind of like uh, like they don't because it's Netflix. They didn't have it. Wasn't a huge promotional campaign no i mean they did they did promote it i mean the big thing for them and this is kind of what we pushed and what we got was they kind of reach across the aisle and so amc regal and cinemark which they had which had all three of those had never carried yeah movies before took it so um so it was 600 theaters but it was in like really high traffic theaters so right um but for me it was just like um 
I don't know, man. It's a, it's a fun movie to see with a crowd. So being able to go out right. and like see and just like stand in the back of the theater and soak up the energy. Yeah. And just like, it was really, it was, it was really fun. fun. It, was, it was so much fun. Well, that's what I'm coming off like a high of the past week. Kind yeah. Of, I bet. So, oh, you yeah. just wandering around the theaters? I was. I would just go around. I would just like sneak in the back and yeah. just kind of soak it up. It was, was it, how was it? It was great. It was awesome. People it, responding to they it. Were, well. Oh my God. Yeah. It was, it's a, uh, that was really fun is like usually I'm like standing in the back with a knot in my stomach like is this going to work? Like, sure. After a couple of them I'm like oh okay people are yeah. I don't know I don't know how that sounds but it's like oh, people are it? like yeah 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 so but despite whatever amazing deal you made with Netflix isn't there some disappointment that it's not going to run? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean I can't really complain but um, but look I mean the reality is it's kind of uh I don't know. It's yeah. it's complicated thing because like when we, I mean, first of all, Netflix has been absolutely awesome. And the yeah. fact that they did this was right. a huge, huge thing for them. Like it's actually, I'm really thankful. as opposed to just sneak it into two screens to yeah. get it uh, up for awards to do the regular thing. Yeah, just like put it in a couple of theaters or whatever. So the fact that they made this effort and actually really pushed it. But isn't it awesome, odd yeah. that they just don't give a shit about the money it could make in a theater versus what they would pick up uh, in subscribers in two months? I guess. Hey, look, I don't know, man. It's above. It's above my pay grade. I mean, I, yeah, you're asking me. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but I, <laughs> why can't we make all the money? It's probably good for stock for uh, Netflix stockholders right. that I don't run Netflix. <laughs> like, but is that but is that it for uh, a theatrical run on this thing? Well, after it drops on the service at Christmas, yeah. Until it's not like we'll do a full run. But we'll be able to do a little. You'll, theaters will be able to have it if they want it. So uh-huh. I'm hoping there will be little things here and there. But yeah, that's that's it for this. Yeah. So like entering, like I had to like get up to speed on you pretty pretty quickly like yeah, you know yeah, i had seen yeah. brick at some like i i what what did i had seen well i saw you breaking bad episodes obviously mm-hmm. but and i and i watched nights out yeah and i well, i watched most of the movies but yeah. for this one just in dealing with the two yeah um i mean it seems like you know you took on the genre you know head on in Knives Out. Like you know, this was a mansion. It yeah. was a family. It, it felt like you know, but you yeah. tweaked it. Yeah, and you you they were higher stakes. I think the the dialogues was a had a better clip than yeah. the old timey ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but the, but the challenge was for you to sort of own that particular form. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I've I've done kind of movies in different genres before, and for me, it's it's kind of um, I don't know. It's for me, it's sort of about having a genre that I grew up loving. First yeah. of all, so I got an emotional connection to it, and, yeah. and all all I'm trying to do, really, I'm, I'm uh, all I'm trying to do is kind of connect back up in the most direct way to what I love about it. Yeah, and get that on the screen, and but that with the genre that has kind of layers of veneer over it over the years yeah. of like you've seen it a bunch. Yeah. Yeah, you got to kind of tweak, you got to shake it a little. You got to tweak it. I mean, a big part of it with these ones is just setting them in modern day America. You know, so many whodunits I'd seen over the years and loved are period pieces sure. in England. So just yeah. like, all right, it's forget timelessness. It's it's set in America right here, right now. And but you're able to deal with the old mansion. Yeah, and the other yeah, one. Yeah, so there was true. like yeah. the trappings. Yeah. Of, uh, well, with this one though, I mean, it's interesting. There's there's. You know, there is kind of like a whole subgenre of the vacation mystery. You know, you think about like Death on the Nile, Evil Under the Sun, The Last of Sheila. Yeah, yeah. yeah, There's a lot of them now. I mean, there isn't that movie, the Chef movie. Oh yeah, I haven't haven't seen it yet. White Lotus is is really and and Sandler's uh, uh, mystery thing is kind of like a yeah. It's it's a whole thing, the destination murder thing. So there's a tradition of it. 
that there's yeah. that. But well, that's interesting. Yeah. So so yeah. But this was really more of a like a compound situation. This yeah. Was, this yeah. wasn't like people sort of in an awkward, in an uncomfortable place. No. Or a place that's beautiful that becomes horrible because someone's dead. No, not really. It's but, kind of yeah. But this yeah. one for you, like in in approaching it as a writer. Yeah. I mean. The other one was family. Yeah. Uh, the other one was about, you know, property being left, about a will. Yeah. So, like, this was the entire device and, and the sort of genre buttons yeah. were not there. Yeah, it's this one is, but at the same time, there are other ones that I'm leaning on. So, yeah. like with this one, I mean, first of all, it was about a group of a group of friends, which yeah. is another trope of uh, of the murder mystery thing, which actually puts me ahead. Like a lot of Christie's stuff, it's just people who live in the same town, or people are vaguely connected. So, even just having a group of friends who are trapped together on an island gives me kind of a density that, like, yeah, yeah. is really helpful. Right. But then. Um, yeah, leaning into, I mean, it's all like with Who Done, it's all about the power structure. It's all about a group of suspects, right. yeah, yeah. kind of a microcosm of society, power, right, right, power right. structure, somebody at the top that needs to die. You right. know? Yeah. And so, uh, and this one, it was clicking in kind of, okay, it's a tech billionaire up at the top. So that kind of makes sense, like who this group of friends are. Yeah. And then we can talk about this and that. And then it kind of is, so it all kind of folds. And we, what was it about the idea of so many breakable things? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, right at the beginning of the movie, you're sort of like, well, there's a lot of glass. Yeah. It's no, just, not just the place, but all the sculptures <laughs> that, you know, that's set up for some reason. Yeah, it's Chekhov's glass trinkets, basically. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, the notion that kind of, um, I don't know. I mean, like, like the, and I'll try not to, like, spoil it if anyone listening yeah, hasn't yeah, seen yeah. it, but, like, you know, I like the idea that um, what happens at the end kind of very much follows what, Miles Braun, what Edward Norton's character describes as disruption, which is, you you know, breaking. You start by sure. breaking stuff. Everyone oh, okay, wants, yeah, wants yeah, broken. Yeah, yeah. And it's also cheesy art. Totally. Oh yeah, you. That's the thing. You've been staring at those things the whole week, the whole movie on their, che- their yeah. wobbly little pedestals, saying, "Yeah, I, I want." Th-. And by the way, the actors. By the time we got to the end of shooting in that set, we've yeah. been on that set for like two months. They were like tiptoeing around these fucking things. They were dying to start smashing those. So, so it was cathartic. All oh, around. they did it. Yeah. Everyone was. Able oh to my break god! It. Everyone was like calling. Oh, I'm gonna break that one. Oh, that's yeah, it was, so funny. It was good. Yeah. And what the one thing I noticed about these because I don't watch a lot of them yeah is that there's really no way to figure it out <laughs> there's a there's a great quote there's um Ellery Queen which was this series that was yeah. written by a couple of writers one of them had a great quote that said yeah. we play fair with the audience if the audience is a genius but I, I think which is exactly what you're saying it's yeah. like there's the illusion that these things are puzzles that are fairly presented yeah. to the audience. I think it's actually really important in writing them to realize they're not, to realize yeah. that's never going to be the source of entertainment. You have to build a roller coaster ride. You got to build a fun right. movie right. with the same dramatic elements that make any other movie tick. Otherwise, it's gonna you're gonna get bored. You're not you know you're not gonna clue, care about clues and solving and who, yeah. did, who cares you know right for that for that genre. But I mean, yeah. if you're watching a, a, a mystery series, yeah, you do want to kind of think you can figure it out. And it's kind of upsetting when you can't. Well, I, I think it's upsetting if you get to the end and it feels like in retrospect it did yeah. something unfair. But I, <laughs> right. I, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. still think the notion that you can 
solve it or the notion that that's what keeps you entertained is totally an illusion. I think even in a good I think people series, know that too, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I know when I'm watching any kind of whodunit, I'm maybe the first 15 minutes I'm thinking who did. And then I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. I'll never figure this out. Just, you know. Well, I was watching that though, that one with uh, Kate Winslet, you know, the mayor of winning. Oh, yeah. Like, mayor of Winslet. Yeah, 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 whatever it is. And I was sort of like, I was mad, you know, because like, at the end, I'm like, well, the, how would we know that that happened? <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did see, I did see it, so I can't speak. I'm kind of thankful now. I didn't see it, so I don't have to. <laughs> well, she was great, and it was all great, but it was like it was presented <laughs> as a murder mystery, not as like a whodunit thing. It kind what? of was, but yeah. but I guess. I guess this is why I never really locked into that medium because yeah. I just get anxious, and and you know, <laughs> and I'm just sort not of like, a genre for anxious people. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just, like I get to that point, I'm like, get yeah. on with it. You know, <laughs> you know, how how are we still waiting to solve this? Well, I mean, I guess, and that's kind of. I mean, my approach with these ones is to to assume that you are what that what yeah. you just described. You yeah. personally are watching this movie, and that the notion being, I want people to be having such a good time watching it, they forget they're supposed to be solving. I want to take that right off the audience as right. quickly as possible sure you know? yeah and so that's why with the first one and with this one i try and do things where it's uh, I, I take the onus off of who done it and yeah. put it more on oh we're following this person who's trying to accomplish this sure yeah so you know yeah, no so, no it's very entertaining yeah, yeah, but yeah. i have to like the one thing i noticed about the, the space yeah is that you know the pace of Knives Out was so you know ding 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 ding, and and you know and it happens in the new one too. Yeah. But you know just the nature of the cinematic space yeah. is so expansive. Yeah. That you know any sort of uh, joke you're going to run yeah. is so under the microscope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it, it it's it just stands alone, and it's like a lot yeah. of it's based on futuristic things. Right. Yeah. So you had to play that stuff out in a different way. Yeah. Which to me, also, I mean, look, the, the when we made the first one, yeah. the idea of doing more of them was only interesting to me if like I don't know if, if it could be something completely different each time that's right. thing. I and I want I want the audience to have a different experience but even more than that just selfishly I know I need to have a new new challenge with so wait are you going to make more of them yeah I got, I'm doing one more at least with um, one more at least with Netflix but I, uh, we're going to uh, place this one underwater I don't know I'll take the franchise to space it's time oh, no, it's no, time no, no. <laughs> don't do it there's just too many uh, it, 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 you'll just open yourself up to the potential of too many bad jokes no it's time why not you're going to go to space go to space time to take it to space it's a moon mystery well that was well that's the other thing about what was great about Looper is like at the end of that there's this moment where your brain wants to sort of like well, well could this really happen like what yeah. are you even asking <laughs> <laughs> does, does this make sense <laughs> is there logic to this slap, ending slap right you can't <laughs> yeah but yeah. I thought but I thought you handled that genre very well and that's another uh, one that so. I don't watch a lot of but go but yeah. going where'd you grow up uh, well I, I was I was a kid in Colorado but I've been in Southern California since uh since I was in junior high. Basically. Oh, really? Yeah, so, what, yeah. what part of Colorado? New Denver. Oh, yeah? Englewood, yeah. Are you, we, yeah. No, I grew up in New Mexico, but yeah, you know, okay, I go to yeah. Col- you know, I'm in Colorado a lot, but that's yeah. where you were born? Not, well, I was born in Maryland, but then we moved after a few years to Colorado, and I got a lot of family still in Colorado. I go back I, there so, a lot, yeah. So yeah, your yeah, folks? I love it. Now, my mom lives in Southern California, and my dad did live in Colorado, but he, he passed away. Oh, sorry, away. man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who got you interested in movies? I think, I mean, my dad, none of my family was in the movie business. Like, my, yeah. my dad was in the home building business, but uh-huh. I, I think he was a frustrated artist. Like, really? I think, yeah, I think he always wanted to. Uh, he what made you feel that? 
Because he would say, I always want to <laughs> say I'm a frustrated artist. I wish I could be making movies. Why am I building houses? <laughs> I mean, he liked his work. He enjoyed yeah. his work. But um, but he he loved, loved, loved movies. And my family loves movies. You know? Oh, yeah? So, yeah, my, grand, was he, my granddad, you know, loved yeah. movies. Was he like a movie buff kind of guy? Or He was, yeah. I mean, he wasn't like a, you know, deep, deep, deep movie buff guy. But he, yeah. he fucking loved movies and he kind of and i he loved directors also i guess that's the thing like oh, he, yeah yeah like he he would show he showed me like you know scorsese's movies but like even more than the movies like i don't know looking at your dad and like you know wanting his respect yeah and seeing him talk about this director scorsese with yeah. that kind of it's kind of there was a really deep powerful thing in terms of the director is the person who makes oh, yeah. the movie. I'm seeing my dad hold them in esteem. You know? So he, he knew his stuff enough to know. Oh, yeah. yeah, who, yeah. So, he and he was guy. a Scorsese guy? Yeah, he loves Scorsese. Yeah, yeah. Raging Bull was kind of his... Uh, he showed me Raging Bull probably when I was too young. But yeah. uh, he loves Scorsese. That's he a loved, good one. I watch, so it, good I watch that as much as... Uh, I, once or twice a year on I got that, that movie like memorized. Shot oh, of course. Like, yeah. Just, like, shot by uh, shot? Yeah, totally. I can play it in my head. Yeah, Even I've, those those fight sequences? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially those. But even like the small stuff, like the, I don't know, I, I, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen, I don't know, I got, I got buddies like, you know, Edgar Wright, yeah. who like have seen every movie in the world and have this yeah. encyclopedia. Yeah. I haven't got that, but the movies I have seen, I've watched a thousand times each, you know, I, like, you know. What I thought was interesting recently about rewatching Raging Bull in the Criterion collection of fighting movies yeah. is that I realized that, you know, the black and white thing. Yeah. You, you know, I don't know if I ever put it together before other than it was an interesting choice, yeah. but it's easier to shoot fight movies in black and white yeah. because the makeup is easier. Oh, completely. The blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if 100%. you want to put a fake yeah. nose on a guy, it's the, a lot easier in black and white, dude. Dude, they never would have gotten away with that LaMonda nose in that shot in color. It's exactly. Like you look at it and you're like, wait a minute. Right. You can see the seam even in black and white. It's so it's like, totally practical. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, it's, yeah. and also like fight movies, you know, are always the same. So in a yeah, sense, like yeah. he did what you do yeah. with genre Went in that movie. Yeah. Well, in so many of the classic fight movies, you think about like, you know, so many of the classic fight movies yeah. or like the boxing noirs or whatever. It, yeah. It's just rooted in that black and white tradition. It's hard to think of. But also thing. the stories are all the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, he, corrupt, like, yeah either of, it's like, hubris yeah. that's going to bring the guy down. Totally. Or he's a, he's got to sell himself out. It's corrupted by it. says, I never went down, Ray. Yeah, yeah. Never, never went, went down, down Ray. Ray. Oh my God. Never knocked me down. Down, Ray and Ray's will, just looking uh, at him like, "What are you? What's wrong with you?" Man? I, w- I will. Uh, half of my re- and did you did you just talk to James Gray? Did you just have a James I did. Gray? Yeah. Half of my relationship with him is just us out of context texting each other raging bull quotes. Oh, that's funny. It seems like half of my I've got a new relationship with him is just yeah. texting pictures of food we cooked. Oh well, you're good. <laughs> I don't know which is which is healthier. I don't I, know. Yeah. No, he seems like a real uh, a, a real. Uh, he likes uh, he likes the business. He's he's an amazing dude. He, I, yeah, I, he I is smart guy. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. So, filmmaker. Would, are you, you're one of these guys who started making movies when you're like three. Yeah, yeah. One of those. It feels almost. It feels like boring to talk about it because. But you your know, old man though. So yeah. like, he, who were some of his other directors? You were going to tell me. Uh, he was really into Scorsese. Yeah. He loved Kasdan. He loved uh, Lawrence Kasdan. He loved like um, he's really Big chill. into Kasdan's movies. Big Chill, Accidental Body, Tourist, Body Heat. He loved Accidental Tourist. Yeah, um, Body Heat. Yeah, I watched yeah. that again recently. Yeah, it holds uh, up. Yeah. That's a good it's noir. It's great. Oh, it's fucking no, yeah, great. It's great. Yeah, it's terrific. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. good twist at the end. Oh my god. Well, and the whole thing, just that kind of. Uh, Kind of that, and sexual in a way that uh, Hollywood movies aren't, yeah. aren't today. You know, like how Even, so? Well, just that kind of like 
uh, humid, se- even though it's kind of goofy. Insexual, did you sexual. say? Oh, sexual. Sexual. I thought, sexual. You, I thought uh, yeah. is this a new word, insexual? Insexual. Like it. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. insexual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. There was definitely uh, uh, an amazing sexual tension. Yeah, which which has kind of gone away from Hollywood movies. Is, it has it? That's odd. Because I, you know, yeah. I notice it. I notice when it's yeah. not there. Yeah. And I notice that, you know, I mean, it seemed like, well- I watched some of that. Uh, oh, what the hell is it called? The uh, Levinson's the the high school thing. You oh know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Euphoria, yeah. Euphoria, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like well, yeah, that's if that's hypersexualized. It is, but it also feels like that's te- like television is where it can exist now. Whereas you think about, it's so weird. You think about mainstream Hollywood movies. I know. It's just and Wait, my, so yeah. that's a, but is that a, a choice thing. that anyone makes? I mean, I, like, do you make it? I mean, like your movies, I, I think there's not a lot of fucking going on. No, there's not. They aren't very sexual in general. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know if, I don't know if my not doing it, I mean, for me, it's just I do what I'm interested in. Yeah. I don't know if it's indicative of some big right. thing or whatever. Sure. But I feel like there's a, you could theorize there's a lot of things. Is it porn on the internet that suddenly it's like you don't have to <laughs> get that from that source anymore? Is uh-huh. it, I don't know. My wife's doing like a whole series on her podcast right now about sex in movies in the 80s and 90s and like studying kind of the- What's she coming up with? Uh, it's fascinating. Mike. Yeah? It's really, really interesting. She's kind of using it to talk about like- um, Sex in society in the eighties and nineties, and uh, yeah, no, it's very, very. Well, I mean, like to reflect on you know just the process of sex on camera now yeah. on a set. Oh boy! I mean, it's a big deal, it, even if it's minor. Absolutely. Have you worked? Have you like worked with intimacy coordinators? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I, I, I mean, look, I again, I don't. It's not like I have a lot of sex in my movies, but I feel like it's such a. Um, I'm, I'm personally thankful for it because I'm like so. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I just because I my only thing is I want everyone to feel 100 percent comfortable. And yeah. I'm just like if there's another element here that doesn't interfere creatively, sure. but I can make sure I'm not don't have any blind spots and making everybody comfortable. Yeah. It's like, um, and you it's can a good thing, you can you know. suggest you don't have to. Yeah. And I, maybe, maybe I'd feel different if I was making Adrian Line movies and that was really kind of the the thing that fucking was the part of it. Well, but, I think yeah. also that's just the, an issue too of of what's nudity worth, right? And you right. know, and what is uh, when is it expected? I mean, yeah. a lot of those. Those systems have kind of fallen away, you know, like this idea that, like, yeah. do you, are you going to do the topless thing? Right. Because you're expected to do the topless thing. It's so interesting, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's weird, like, watching older movies where there's a lot of casual nudity and feeling the feeling kind of the effect of it in a way that it's you don't feel numb to it if anything it feels more like whoa just because there's so little of it i think these days in yeah. hollywood product i think but uh, yeah no, i thought it was interesting well you did in looper actually you know yeah. you had a scene where the dancer or the oh yeah piper piper yeah, yeah yeah you know climbs on top of him and i noticed yeah. like i noticed it because there isn't a lot of sex in the movie yeah and it was yeah. so cold and weird and, yeah. and then for a, for a minute i'm like is she uncomfortable i'm like no she's no, she's working. She's yeah, working. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, drawing the comparison between like him doing his job and her trying yeah, to do it, and exactly. him looking for a deeper emotional connection, and her just wanting to finish her shift. You know, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, and and I think if you, yeah, I don't know. For so for me, it was uh, it, that was. Yeah, completely not a sexy scene at all. That was entirely about work. like a really work and yeah. emotional disconnection. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. But when do you start? You know, does your dad buy you a camera? I bought myself. I got a Super Eight camera in junior high, and I started for school projects shooting my own stuff. And then when and I was kind of in high school, right when um, uh, like eight millimeter video. 
came out. Sure. So that was kind of a whole Betamax or no this VHS. Was, it wasn't. It was it was one step beyond Betamax. Oh, VHS. Super eight. It was the eight millimeter high eight. High eight. Yeah, yeah. It was high, high eight. eight. Yeah. yeah, high eight. And then when I was in college, it was DV, which were the little tapes. Yeah. So it was like a big thing of like, okay, now we can and so. In high school, that's just I, that's how I spent most of my time on the weekends with my buddies. Is just making sh- stupid movies. Just, yeah, you know, not even like making good stuff. Just or trying to make like a movie like in a quality way. Literally, yeah. just we'd hang out and make a James Bond parody, like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, and was, so you're kind of learning the language. I think that's genuine. I mean, that's the thing. It's like when I talk to friends' kids who are like looking at film school yeah. or whatever. I feel like the place where I learned how to make movies was just making hundreds of them with my buddies and just there's two things back then it was like first of all just getting used to telling a story with pictures with a camera in your hand getting Uh comfortable with that but also what that did like with tape was you were editing in camera so it also taught you editing yeah you do one shot and you move over and do the other shot sure teaching yourself how shots go together as opposed to gather a bunch of footage and figure it out in the computer you know yeah 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 so they had that benefit also i think but uh yeah, that was that. I mean, that's really kind of where I learned how to make. And when you sh- were you showing them at the house at that? Were you showing your dad? We didn't even really show them. No, no really? that's the thing. We did. We'd make them and then we'd like watch them ourselves. And I just, you know, so it was uh, video. So it was kind yeah, of it was disposable. Video. It was just totally disposable. Vimeo and there, the internet wasn't around, so it's yeah. not like we could post them or anything. Sure. So. Um, yeah, we weren't even making them to show them. We just, just a make, goof? We, they were just hanging out. You yeah, know? yeah, we were yeah. Making them because that's what we did while we hang out. You Do you know? have siblings? Yeah, I got. I'm the oldest of. Uh, yeah, I got. I got two younger brothers, younger sister, and then a younger half brother. Yeah. Wow, what? Well, I got also. I got like 30, 40 younger cousins, and we're all super close. Um, my cousin Nathan's my composer. We've been making movies together since we were like ten years old. So, really? Yeah, we're like a we're like a clan. <laughs> a, so you're a music guy. Uh, well, he is. He is. Yeah, yeah my brother also. Was in the music business, but yeah, really, yeah, he was a producer for a while. Yeah, no more. No, no, he was. It's that's tough, yeah. tough, tough business. He got out of it. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh man, Jesus, heartbreaker. Yeah, just like indie bands and just the whole scene and everything. It was just too tough to. You you play? Yeah. Uh, I play a lot of instruments really badly, but nothing. I don't do. I don't play. Yeah, yeah, I got a few I play badly I can, over here. I can see, yeah. dude. But I think it's for me. It's I don't know what it is for you. For me, it's like a creative thing I can do for. No, Without expectation, zero expectation for nobody. I can just sit and doodle yeah. and just kind of record bad stuff. And, sure, you yeah, know, I, 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 I do know. that too. I, I, yeah. And I, I've been doing it all my life. I think, it, yeah. But yeah. well, I play guitar my whole life. But I, I yeah. mean, I think I've gotten a little better. Yeah. But like I've, I've done bits about it. How because I never had creative expectations those yeah. aren't sort of like broken dream vessels no they're not <laughs> signifiers of failure exactly like, exactly i think that's important to have a creative outlet that you don't you know make that you don't out. Yeah. ruin <laughs> yes exactly yeah. so so well, you got a lot of creative siblings that's interesting it must have been it was weird all our parents were in, in the home building business and we all kind of went into the arts it's very it, but they were supportive they were totally supportive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Well, I, yeah, I kind of like in my twenties, actually, kind of like, or when I as a teenager, I kind of fell yeah. away from my dad, and and me making my first feature was almost like a reconnection point for us in our relationship. As, as what happened? He, um, you know, he can. He had. It was a divorce, so oh, yeah. he he left, and, right. I, and I had a lot of anger. Oh yeah. And, and so, how old were um, you? I was eighteen when he left, and, huh. um, but I was the oldest of yeah. all my siblings, so. And my youngest, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, it must have so been devastating. It was really, really hard. And yeah. so, um, and I was also, 
Yeah, not to go too deep into it, but I, I was uh, I was very religious growing up. I yeah, was, what kind? I was, I was just like Orange County Protestant Christian, but oh, it yeah? was but it was like it was actually like it wasn't just like I went to church with my parents. It was actually like a. Oh yeah, it was. It's not anymore for me at all. But it, there, you was, had your heart filled. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It well, more than that. I would describe it as it, it was the lens that I saw the world through. Really, it, it totally was. Yeah, this relationship with, yeah, the relationship with God, and huh. so, um, uh, and so that made me even even more judgmental and angry yeah. when my dad left the family. So. <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah, there was yeah, there's a chance. How long? Uh, how long? What's was that? the uh, the anger? How long was the 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 estrangement? I mean, it, it's not like we weren't talking to each other, yeah. but I think our relationship really suffered through my twenties. Uh-huh. I was very disconnected from uh, yeah, my twenties. Yeah, yeah. But then I made my first movie when I was like turning thirty, and um, which one? Uh, Brick. Oh yeah, Brick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I kind of had spent my twenties trying to make it, and finally. Finally, you know. and that and that uh, brought him back around, or brought well, you guys that together? kind of brought us together. It was weird. We kind of reconnected as adults. It was uh-huh. almost like forming a relationship with a new person because at that point, it was strange. It was it was kind of like rediscovering each other as huh. as adults in a way. You know? What made you so, drift from uh, the Jesus? I got to college and just kind of got out of Orange County and <laughs> met met people and talked yeah. and had conversation and just um, huh. I don't know. I just kind of naturally very naturally and pretty quickly sort of fell away from it. Which, oh, sound, yeah. which sounds weird considering it was such a huge element of, of In terms of what psyche. you were part of Christian groups and that kind of stuff? I was, yeah. yeah I was a youth group kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, huh. but I, but that was like a whole thing through my 20s is figuring out, because um, you got to figure out something to replace that with, you know. So yeah, and, something and you chose movies? Kind of. I mean, I, I, I got really actually. What really helped me out was really getting into uh, into young, into reading young. Uh, Carl Young, weird. Yeah, I, I the big uh, the 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 big Kahuna, the, the big uh, collective unconscious. <laughs> yes, the collective unconscious. Yeah. Well, and the, the... the yeah, exactly. The, yeah, and and just his kind of well, the fact I think it helps that his stuff feels slightly mystic, which also of course was also can tend to draw some some nut jobs to it. Sure. I think, but but I feel like that the fact that he takes mystical things very seriously the fact that he that it let me say okay i wasn't insane this it's just this thing that i was projecting as a structure on sure a being outside of myself is actually a psychic structure within myself you know and, and so. also i think as it's almost genetic yeah. uh, it's almost like psychologically genetic mm. to want to transfer you, right. you know, meaning like well, to yeah. to feel some to feel a part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah, to give your life definition completely because yeah. you know yeah. it's it's a hell of a burden to yeah. carry yeah. if you don't have any of that. I mean, mine changes Absolutely. week to week, kind of like it's yeah. not a yeah. But but yeah, I think young is 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 good for that kind of stuff. Like you know, yeah. you, you have this great sort of nebulous connection to something. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and but the, between him and Joseph Campbell, you can kind of. Can piece it together. Oh, I think structure is another thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's the other thing that religion gives you is a structure and 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 kind of grabbing onto the structure of okay, the ego and the subconscious and sure. this, this sense of self. And I don't know. It, it it it's not like I'm a devoted Jungian or something, but it really no, I get it, it really helped me kind of like it was like a halfway house. <laughs> yeah. trans- At a formative time. Did yeah. you read that? Did you read Synchronicity? Yeah, I read Synchronicity. Well, how'd I that read, go yeah. for you? 
was, I mean, I mean it's, it's great. It's fascinating. I think that, I mean, I went back, I, I've, I read a bunch of his collected works yeah. and I read like Ion was one that really helped me out a lot because that talks about Christian imagery and kind of the relationship of um, the fish. Some, it, it, anyway, it, it, and I think his, it's interesting. I think people, um, yeah, people can mistake him for being a, a mystic and the reality is he just, like he has that book about UFOs, yeah. taking it very seriously. Yeah. But what he's taking seriously is the fact that people are having these experiences that feel very real and these perceptions and um, what does that mean in terms of what does that reflect inside their brains, inside the psyche and in terms of the structure of it. So anyway, but yeah, I, I yeah, Doug Synchronous. Yeah, I, be, I, yeah. Well, people want to backload sense into things yeah which is why conspiracy theories are are popular because it's yeah. it, it's got its own dogma yeah and and it explains everything and it seems like uh, special wisdom and and secret knowledge it's something i've been thinking a lot about yeah lately yeah, yeah no, creatively yeah yeah like yeah, yeah what are you gonna do with it i don't know it's mm. it's it's tough because it's um it's such an inch and also in relation to my background you know having this kind of truly spiritual kind of like phase of my life like yeah uh, it, it's fascinating to me kind of the the assigning assigning meaning to a structure that um is interior but that you mistake as an exterior thing that to but, me is fascinating you know? but also uh, uh, to have it piped into you yes i mean that's the other element of it is yeah. like you know this has been an exploitable part of the psyche since you know day one that grift has been going well now we have algorithms that are l like exactly. needles filled with heroin going into our spines and it's happening like, yeah, I, I, I barely yeah. notice yeah. it yeah yeah no 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 it's ter it's terrifying it's like it slips <laughs> it slips in no it's it's insidious and it, it's kind of but you're right I, I like that you said that i mean it is something that has been there and has been exploited since day one it's just you wonder what these new delivery devices are <laughs> what's it's, it it's not good <laughs> nothing, <laughs> it, none ain't, of it. it ain't good but i find this stuff very interesting because you know that need to believe yeah. and and then sort of you know realizing like i don't know if i took it to the next level yeah. of what you're talking about is that it's something that we're reflecting back that it's something within our own psyche Completely. that needs resolution well it's all interior and the fact that we're I don't know. It's it's projection. It's but that's the most powerful thing. And it's not you know. It's I don't. But know. you don't believe in any of the the sort of the the magic. I don't. No, no, I know. Well, no, there are people who. I don't know. We're in LA. There are people that do, <laughs> take it seriously. But, no, but you know that, like, not mean, just yeah. like, uh, like, not just. I'm not talking about like mind reading or yeah. or, or something that something that transcends uh, 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 logic or yeah. explanation. <sighs> Because like even with synchronicity, even the idea is sort of yeah. like, yeah, dude, this feels familiar, but that's just your brain reflecting on something within itself. I think that's what and, – and there look, there are bits of Jung where he veers a little too close for my comfort. To mysticism? In, into mysticism yeah. <laughs> with synchronicity, with the concept of synchronicity. Yeah. But I, what I think is that it's really just exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's that we all have a structure to our psyche the same way that we all have a skeleton in our bodies and there's a similar shape to it and that makes a lot of sense. In sure. Terms of how our brains work, they're all the same. Right, and also in, in, in your know. geographical environment is limited. Oh, totally. So, yeah. so like yeah. if you're sort of like, why did I just run into that guy twice? I'm like, yeah. well, you only you live in the same neighborhood. There's you know, like, my uh, my cinematographer Steve is yeah. like he's my he's been my best friend since we were like eighteen. And yeah. he had a great experience <laughs> once where he uh, he was he was shooting in the hotel. They're all sitting at the hotel bar, 
in between shots. Yeah. The bar has a mirror behind it. Yeah. And they're sitting there and they're shooting a period movie and they're sitting there and suddenly all of them see reflected in the mirror this ghostly form of a dude in a tuxedo walk <laughs> yeah. across behind them. Yeah. And then they all turn and look and there's nobody there. Uh-huh. And there's no exit on that side of the bar. There's uh-huh. no way for anyone to run. And everyone at the bar is like, we just saw a ghost that right. just happened. And if they had stopped there, if everyone had just went back and like they, they called lunch and went back to the shoot, everyone would have walked away telling the story of, you know, we just a saw ghost. a ghost and I know it and I know I know it's crazy. I uh-huh. never believe it. But I but Steve, because he's Steve, he went to the back of the bar and he looked and he realized there was like a one foot gap between the floor and the wall and there was a mirrored back ceiling and we they had seen like a reflection of a reflection of a reflection of someone on the lower level walking by. Oh, okay. And so he like <laughs> And, but it's just I, I don't know it's it's uh, it's like of course Steve is going to puncture that <laughs> sure but if, if it were a different time and Steve was in a different part of his oh, life he could so you know, he, make it happen again and charge people to see it well this is the lesson I took away from it is we can monetize this that's what I told him and that's why <laughs> I, think, I think Walt Disney already did it yeah that's true uh, so okay so you made brick after uh, undergrad no after graduate school no I so I wrote brick like right out of college right after undergrad when I was 22 but then I basically spent my 20s working day jobs and, and failing to get in Orange County made. no in LA I was in LA. what part of Orange County did you grow up in, uh, were you in? San Clemente so the very southern tip oh wow yeah 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 so almost which it has or well, had then more of a, almost more of a San Diego vibe than right Orange well County, that's but. okay so that's where you shot brick yeah that was that. at my high school yeah but yeah. you're but you were up here like but you went to graduate school at uh, UCLA I no, I went to uh, undergrad at USC. Oh, I USC. Did, yeah, I did film school there. You did film school undergrad I at did. USC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, that's the, the one, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it was good. <laughs> it was. I mean, look, the main. I think the main benefit of it is just I met some great friends. We all graduated and stuck around in LA and were broke and struggling together through our 20s. And but were you part of believing in the mythology of uh, USC? I went to USC believing in, I had read like a book about Lucas and I was just like, this is the golden Mecca. Yeah. And and of course, you know, 18 year old kid, you go there and, and you're just- You want to believe. Well, you also deeply want to have your illusion shattered and be a cynical, ah, this place. Uh, you know, yeah, so, yeah. So both of those things happened. And, uh, but I mean, looking back, it's a great program. It's a great school. It's, uh, but I think- I think the real benefit of it, like, is is really my friends that I made there, and the fact that we all stuck around in town. Well, that's yeah, yeah, that is like, that's the way, whether you knew it or not, that the whole business works entirely. It that's yeah. the thing, and you I think, didn't know yeah, that, and yeah, I just kept yeah. burning bridges through my whole life, <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, I'm the asshole <laughs> going out to cities by myself to talk to strangers. I didn't realize that that guy's assistant would grow to own the place. That's that's the thing. I was <laughs> stick around and came. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they, oh, you're the guy told to fuck off that time. <laughs> but uh, but the other thing before I forget it about you know uh, Jungian ideas and and the ideas of the psyche and the ideas uh, that are run against mysticism is that you know I I think ultimately you know you want to you want to have some control yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, so I, yeah. I imagine the shift for you, just by watching your movies and seeing what you focus on, Yeah, that, you know, out of, you know, any sort of, like, you know, real belief system, that once that was undermined a bit, that the need to control must have become pretty gnarly. I guess, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a weird combination of the need to have some control in terms of imposing a structure on all this chaos, but yeah. it's also... 
um, wanting to have something that you give control over to, you know, whether it's the- notion- Where'd you find that? Where do you find that? I mean, I don't know, man. You got, uh, any, you got any? No, yeah. <laughs> you got anything? But, 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 but I, well, I can see. I don't. Not yeah. not anything that that yeah. holds more than a day. A cigar is good. Yeah, yeah cigar. But uh, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but the idea that you can create this illusion—that film in itself—is sort of this weird magic thing. It's one of it's music yeah. and film are, are are as close to magic as we can get. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, and for me, look, for me, it's um, yes, in terms of the finished product and kind of its effects. Uh-huh. As 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 whatever as as use the a word as, yeah. as art, but yeah. but for me the bigger thing is just the structure in my life of having a group of people that I work with over and over, and having a process now that I go through over and over. So these guys you've really been with for years, I, all of I, them. Yeah, I mean a lot of them. I've I've you know Nate, like I said, Nathan. We've been making movies together since we were kids. Steve, I met when I was you know seventeen. But a lot of the folks that I I work with, yeah, I've, I've now worked with for years and years and years. You that's know, great. Like a, yeah, it's good. You build like a family around you, and I think yeah. that. Um, and a creative community that uh, takes risks together. That's the hope is that that base of comfort lets you, you know. Shared vision. I guess so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And also just going back to, you know, I don't know, going back to being a kid, just hanging out with your friends, making movies, to me, yeah. that's kind of still what it's about. It's yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's about the movies, but it's also about- you want to be around people that you like and just be having a good time, you know. So when so you wrote Brick in high school or no? I read it right out of college. I wrote okay. it when I was like twenty two. And what 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 yeah. compelled you? Uh, I was really into the movie uh, Miller's Crossing, the Coen Brothers movie, yeah. and through that I got into reading Dashiell Hammett. Yeah, and it was reading Hammett's books. That okay, it yeah, it was like yeah, I felt like I'd been punched in the stomach when I read like Red Harvest. I was like, oh my god, there's something raw and powerful here, and that connected up with sort of my sort of emotional memories of high school, which uh-huh. was still pretty fresh in my mind. And it made sense, kind of the notion of this sort of violent, cruel, very socially stratified yeah. world uh-huh. that, and the fantasy of being kind of like the outsider who can push through all that, which none of us actually could in, in high school. Or at yeah. least that was my experience kind yeah. of emotionally in high school. But um, uh so all of that kind of formed together into this weird thing that made sense to me of okay let's 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 get kind of the raw power that i felt that kind of weird fucked up masculinity of like the sam spade every, yeah. not in the sam spade the continental op um and and let let's put that in this high school setting you know? well yeah. it was interesting because the language is what it is it's the language yeah. of that genre yeah but <laughs> but but it all worked really well. Yeah yeah yeah. Like it, it was, it, was it, it didn't seem like you you weren't watching Bugsy Malone. Yeah yeah right. <laughs> yes I could. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, which yeah. you could have been. Yeah I yeah, I mean that's it's amazing to me that the young I mean those young actors like God we were also we were really young because I'm still friends with Joe Gran Levitt like we're still tight but we were thinking well, he did how you did two we or what two movies yeah with him? we did that and we did Looper yeah 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 he's great but yeah. but also all of them were really good. But it was yeah. interesting because it didn't feel like a goof. That's good. Though that was the big. That's the hat trick of that movie. Is yeah. Of, and you, yeah, know, yeah, how yeah. did you? Were you aware of that all the way through? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And we were. I, I think the trick was we had a because and this is something that would be hard to get if I made you know if you make if I made the movie today. Right. We had months and months and months of all of us just hanging out in L.A. together rehearsing. Yeah, 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 so yeah. So we rehearsed it to death. And what we found- Oh, my God. Really? Well, what we found with that material is because the words are so weird, 
it was almost like they had to. We, <laughs> you say we that like it. you didn't write them. Yeah. I, well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Psychotic if I never yeah. acknowledged they were fucking bizarre. And like, and so, but what that meant was we had to, we drilled them. We yeah. literally drilled lines oh. over and over, had to get it to the point where like a piano player learning, just just fingers moving automatically, had to get it to that point with the words with the actors. And only when we got to that point could they throw them away and actually put meaning into them because they weren't struggling with the artificial, uh, the artificial. Right. Well, that, you can like definitely them. see that. Yeah, that was, that was, it was weird. We, but we had, we had time to discover that through a bunch of rehearsals just because the actors were, because huh. we were all just like kids, like with nothing else to do so that's how it worked and also it it seems like you learned like i felt you making cinematic decisions yeah well to see what your limits were well and i had also i had had eight years to plan that i knew that movie like cold coming into it because i've been storyboarding it for eight years i'd had it in my head just having it dying to come out so was storyboarding something you learned to do i i well i had a copy of scorsese on scorsese that that book and he talks about storyboarding Uh that book and there are little drawings like his taxi and so i'm like oh this is the way it's done so i started doing it oh okay and so um, so that had nothing to do with school what about script writing I'll tell you though, most of what I know about script writing, my dad, who I mentioned, like always yeah. wanted to make movies. When I was in high school, he went to one of these Robert McKee seminars. Okay, you know that dude? sure, yeah. So he's um, he went to one of the seminars. I was yeah. I was in high school. I was like a sophomore in high yeah. school, and he brought me along. And so I was like this little kid in like this seminar, and. Uh, but I'll tell you, man, everything I know to this day about s- screenplay structure, and yeah. I, I'm like a big structure guy. I yeah. really work off structure. I, I learned in that week sure. that was like this huge, yeah. this massive thing for me. So that so that was kind of- um, Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, your dad wanted to write movies. He did, man. Yeah, he did. And oh. one, one, yeah, and he was like writing a script of his own, and I don't, he never finished it. Never finished one. He never finished a script, yeah. You and, showed him. <laughs> I win. <laughs> That's the conclusion. <laughs> you did it, man. I did it. Thanks, brother. <laughs> That's funny. But Brick got you in. Yeah, Brick. We we got into Sundance. Yeah. And the focus picked it up at Sundance. And but now you're a, a force. In a well, way. no. The thing is, I like, worked with Nora. By the way, she played my girlfriend oh, on Marin. I know. I was so excited when she was doing that. Yeah. I was like texting with her when she was doing that. I was really. She's fantastic, man. Um, so no, I uh, uh, yes, that that got me in. But the yeah. reason, the reason I'm still making movies today is yeah. because I had a really good. I have a really good producer that I've been partnered with since Brick. Really, Ron Bergman. He's same guy. Amazing. Same dude. And he's. Um, he is the reason I got my second movie made, and then when how'd my... that one do? Brothers, oh, it, oh, Bloom. oh, it tanked. Nobody saw it. Yeah, I didn't it was, see it. I didn't yeah. even know it existed until today. I'm, I don't know why. I'm really, I, yeah, it just it didn't work. I, I mean, I, it. I'm I'm really proud of it. It's a really um, personal and the experience of making it was this magical growing oh, experience damn. for me. It's amazing, but. Nobody went to see it, and it's it, personal. How it's? Uh, I mean, you'll see when you see. I try. I kind of just. I had all this stuff bottled up and I just kind of tried to put everything that I love about the world into one movie oh. and it was just this kind of overstuffed sort of yeah. um but I'm really but I I got I worked with like Adrian Brody and, yeah. and Rachel Weiss and yeah. Mark Ruffalo and just um we kind of traveled around Eastern Europe like making wow. this movie and it was just this magical kind of experience but Oh uh, damn, I got to watch it. Oh well, nobody yeah, nobody I was upset that I didn't I don't know why I didn't realize it till today cuz I watched uh, yeah. 
I watched the other stuff. Nah, no, no, nobody saw it. But I should, that's the thing, coming out of making a second movie that it wasn't like it was a huge budget, but it wasn't nothing. It was yeah. like whatever, like a $17 million movie and it totally tanked. Yeah. Rom got Looper made, which I should have been basically in director's jail and he figured out how yeah. to navigate us into getting Looper made. How did that, how did he do that? He just, I don't know. <laughs> if, if I knew, I would, I would, I would know how to produce. He he just kind of like well, there's this guy Jim Stern who um, helped finance, who financed Brothers Bloom, yeah. helped, helped us out with Looper. But the reality is, the way we got Looper made is we got Bruce Willis cast. Bruce said yes, and then we have a sci-fi movie, and you got Bruce Willis yeah. with, a, with a gun on the yeah. poster, and then we did the whole indie film thing of patching together the foreign financing and then finding a studio to kind of take up the slack. How'd you make his face like that? Uh, well, Joe spent like three hours in the makeup chair every morning as prosthetics, and so- um, It's not like, because that's what I thought. Yeah, I yeah. felt like that to do that kind of specific yeah. CGI would have been quite an ordeal. Well, and also this is 2009, I think. This is like right, this is before huh. face so stuff that's was like- Really just makeup, huh? It's entirely- there's this genius guy, Kazu Hiro, who yeah. he did Gary Oldman's makeup in um, the uh, Ch- Churchill movie. He's a genius. He's uh-huh. the, and so he, yeah, he created these things. And poor Joe, like, spent yeah hours in the chair every morning getting it done, and then like couldn't fucking eat lunch. Uh, <laughs> he had to like eat through straws. And, like, well, again, I watch that movie. Not it's yeah. like you know, it's not necessarily the kind of movie that I go to. I'm not sure. I keep saying yeah. that. I'm not sure which movies I do like. Yeah, but what I, do you like? <laughs> I, well, I watch. I give uh, you this. I give yeah, you that. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I do. I I, I, enjoy, I like Brick, yeah, and I like yeah, Looper, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I watch. Yeah, I watch yeah, because yeah. like I didn't know, you know what. Um, yeah. What what you know what, where it would go, but you know yeah. it doesn't. It definitely has. Uh, uh, you know, it's one of those movies where you're like, it, it, "How's this going to work?" Yeah, but I trusted you to find the film logic. Yeah, that would sustain it. Yeah, the tight wire. Well, yeah, <laughs> because like wire. you know, you that's the kind of movie you're looking for holes, but eventually yeah. you don't care. Well, I yeah, I had that scene in the middle where I have Bruce kind of just say, "Stop looking, <laughs> stop thinking about time travel." Yeah, it's kind of like yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but you, that wasn't what the movie was about ultimately, because yeah. Yeah. you know when you look at the machine, it was like, "All right, <laughs> that's not taking anyone." <laughs> Wait a minute, this is all he fake. Just, he just got into a hot water tank. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it kind of treats uh, time travel like Harry Potter movies treats spells. A yeah, bit. yeah. It has yeah. to make a motion sense right but I, but I think the the trick of time travel movies is that they all do that I think even sure I think that I don't know if you've seen that movie primer that Shane Carruth movie that's probably the closest thing that actually tries to track the true logic of like a time travel loop and even that I think um, fudges a bit but yeah but sure but sure but the one thing that that happened for me as a guy you know I, I'm older I'm a little more sentimental I guess but you, you know what, what was effective mm. in just the way my brain works is that, you know, when Levitt decides to do what he's going to do to save the future. Yeah. Yeah. You realize that like, well, I've already taken for, you know, I've already suspended my disbelief to realize, to, to, to believe that. Yeah. 
there are these alternate realities to yeah. existence. Yeah. That there there can be an existence where you live a whole other different life. Right, 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 right. Right, which isn't really what the movie's about, but right. it's talked about a lot. Right. So that gave you- Parallel like, universe, right? right? In the multiverse. Multiverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. sort of like, you know- Yeah, it's true, yeah. Right. Yeah. So when Willis disappears, I was yeah. sort of like, well, I get, like, why not? <laughs> you know, like, now everything's okay. That kid's yeah. going to be all right. He's going to yeah. use his magic for good. I hope so. One hopes the weirdo. So. That was one a good twist. So you didn't, so. Yeah. Yeah. you didn't realize that we were yeah. going to, well, he kind of knew that might have been the kid, but yeah, yeah. when he yeah. lifts everything up. Yeah. <laughs> that kid, man. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Intense it, it was, kid. It was, it was, it was, and that kid would, like, Pierce Gagnon, he would he was amazing. He was five years old when we shot it, and he would sit down with Emily Blunt and do three page dialogue scenes all the way through. Oh yeah, it was the opposite because most kid actors you're coaxing every line out, or a lot of them you're coaxing every line out of them. Yeah, so it was the opposite. He would give you three amazing takes of like a right. three page scene, and yeah. then turn back into a five year old, and lo you'd lose him. It was, really, it was fascinating. Yeah, huh. well, there's amazing. all these Savanti kids around that yeah. can do that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 whether it's with a guitar or something. Where so you're you're just on YouTube, like yeah, you're just like, oh like, my god, <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. I, I imagine they put the guitar down. They're just sort of like, I want some cereal. <laughs> it's just like a real, I, I, any other musician, really. Yeah, yeah, except yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, it's true. That's true. <laughs> now, I, uh, I didn't realize you, you directed these amazing uh, Breaking Bad uh, oh, episodes. Man. Yeah, it was. How was great like, was that for you? I was so, I was the luckiest son of a bitch. Yeah, because yeah, like yeah, for a guy yeah. that's so meticulous, it must yeah. have been just awesome. To... Well, also it was heaven for me because writing is. You know, I don't know you, you, you know, writing's not the fun part, right? You know, yeah. I don't know, not for, for me. It's yeah. like, I like having written, but to just come into this situation where there's brilliant scripts and great people and just, I just get to show up and do the fun part. And the scripts were just, yeah, I, man, I, I feel like, uh, that was a real education for me. Well, the one, the know? fly was insane. That was fun. <laughs> that was really fun. And like, yeah, I, I, and the fact that I got to just like do this concentrated, like almost like a little stage play with Brian yeah. you know, and Aaron, yeah. I got to work so intensely with those two actors. It was like, and I had the challenge of like, okay, how do I keep this visually interesting in this space? It was like, I mean, that was film school. That was like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that. They are, well, yeah, because you had yeah. to, you know, you were doing something almost new. Completely. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was its own completely self-contained thing. Yeah. And it yeah. was like, but I just, I, I fucking loved it, man. I had so much and fun. You, and you that. got to oversee Hank's death, which is crazy. I know. I, know. I, I, can't, I still can't believe they, they, yeah, that I got to do that. That, that whole desert scene was horrendous. That was, that was, I mean. To be around that acting? To shoot. It was Brian? incredible, man. Brian Cranston is a force in nature. That dude's just incredible. He's amazing. And He's so practical yeah. about it. Like his approach yeah. to acting is so kind of like yeah. utilitarian. Well, that's the thing. There's no like ramping into it. It's yeah. incredible seeing someone who is that good and yeah. who can just dial it in and turn it on like a switch. And yeah. I'm sure there's more to it, but the fact that he keeps it keeps it behind the scenes and in his head, it's it, 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 absolutely, I've not, yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's yeah. Crazy. I mean, I remember talking yeah. to him. He comes yeah. from a studio family. Yeah, his dad yeah. was, a, I think, a studio actor. Mm. So there, I, I think that it makes sense. It, you know, it was kind of the job was in his blood. Right. That there's a job. Yeah. He's got that kind of like old studio actor. Yeah, kind he of does. Like, but man. in the best way, like in in the way that I just like. 
I found really, really incredible to just kind of watch watch him work. Yeah. Well, it's amazing yeah. when you watch. I watched a Kiss of Death last night with yeah. uh, Victor Mature and okay. uh, Richard Woodmark. Yeah, which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a crazy movie. Yeah, Woodmark's crazy, but they, yeah. all these guys were doing so many movies. <laughs> Do you Woodmark, know Woodmark's look like his look is just like it's it's so terrifying. It's like yeah, but also like very present. Yeah, absolutely. You know, oh my god, yeah. You know, yeah, and it's not yeah. just like you know you don't think like oh he's playing a crazy guy like yeah, he's yeah. like reacting yeah. in real time. Yeah. in a lot of ways, it's pretty incredible. The old studio guys. Is there? Do you have like a guy from like that? You're like God. Oh, I wish I could have watched him work. I wish I could have gone back and like. Oh, and seen him like on set or something. Yeah, like I, something, I, I'm yeah. always curious about how all like there, there was an affectation to a lot of it. You to, know, yeah. And there, I think yeah. like when you talk about Brick, like you know, what process did they go through to get the patter going? Right. You had different expectations from it though, but sometimes right. the emotions would would land. Yeah. But there was there was definitely a, a a way of staging and a way of pacing dialogue. Yeah. That was different. It's true. There's a different mode of kind of, but I mean, the best guys would still cut. You would like still, Spencer yeah. Tracy. I think was like somebody I yeah. who lived a long time yeah. who would have been interesting to watch work. Yeah. Fred McMurray too, really. I love Fred McMurray. I would, I would, if I had a time, if I, if I had a time machine, if I had my water tank and I could step into it, I would go back and and I would love to work with Fred McMurray. Right, and Burt Lancaster too was yeah. a fucking Kirk Douglas was an animal. Oh Jesus, my, man. Oh my, oh my God, Mitchum. Mitchum is Mitchum's the, the greatest. Mitchum's the guy that if I could actually like summon him up right now I would love to just get one day working with him why not he, yeah, and he lived yeah. a long time you just yeah. missed him kind of I know I know I yeah. watched the friends of Eddie Coyle recently oh my god what a wild movie his his late career stuff yeah. is fascinating the places that he would go to and like there's this have you seen uh, Secret Ceremony that oh. um, uh, is it Secret Ceremony with Mia Farrow and uh, uh, Mia Farrow no. and, and it, it's it's so good um, and Liz Taylor actually really yeah, but she's it's it's was made in the sixties huh. and it's kind of set in London. It's a really like messed up sexual dynamic between them and um and yeah, and, and Mitchum's playing like this creepy, creepy dude and it's yeah, just yeah, it's, yeah. He's leaning into just the <laughs> it's 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 fantastic. It's the really weight good. of it, man. Even yeah. like Henry Fonda dude. I yeah, mean like yeah, yeah. what is that? Yeah. You just yeah. I can't Yeah, it's just amazing. It really is. Yeah. So Again, this isn't. I'm going to say it again, but like you know, I, I yeah. I've I've enjoyed everything that I've engaged with that you've done. Uh, but I I I don't. I'm not a Star Wars guy. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it would be funny if I was like, ah, oh, me neither. <laughs> Are you a Star Wars guy? I'm a huge Star Wars guy. Oh. Yeah. But... So so the opportunity to do that movie, yeah, yeah. was a big deal. It was the biggest deal for me. How yeah. how? But how do you yeah. get that? So you did Looper. I did Looper, and Kathy Kennedy saw it and, and called me in. And yeah. it was like a weird timing too, because Disney had acquired all this. They they had paid a lot of money, and they it. didn't have a plan, right? Really? Well, well they had. I mean, JJ's movie was was written. And yeah, they were about to start shooting. Yeah. So that was basically the plan. Oh, so it's we're done. Gonna, we're we gonna do three. Build, build off this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but it was always the plan was always I would come in and do two, and um, you know, do the second one, and then kind of hand it off to yeah. the next director and. Um, it was it was the best professional experience of my life, man. It was and amazing. How much freedom did you have over it? I had freedom. It was like it felt like any other one of our movies. And you know? were you approaching it the same way that you do everything else? Like, all right, this is the genre. How do I absolutely do but the, something? But new? But the genre was the fact that the genre. No, it's not how do I do something new. It's how do I 
tap into the essential power of this genre, which right. to me means tapping into what Star Wars, how Star Wars actually affected me when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, thinking back to how The Empire Strikes Back. And when I came in, Kathy said, we're looking for someone to do The Empire of this series. And yeah. I, I took that assignment very, very seriously. Not like we want to imitate empire yeah but like you know well that's what jj did right with the first movie i i read no i love i mean i love the first but i feel yeah. like he was doing the similar thing we have we're very different storytellers okay so a different way into it but but i uh, for me it was thinking back to when i was a kid and i watched empire yeah how it was genuinely unsettling and terrifying yeah how the way that a good myth you talk about you know, yeah getting to the joseph campbell thing i mean there's kind of the gloss on it which is the hero with a thousand faces yeah. hero myth blah 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 yeah the reality is the notion what it's really a about you know is the notion that fairy tales and myths are things that reflect the biggest transitions we go through in life yeah and because of that they should be kind of terrifying they should right. be scary things yeah and so thinking how empire was that for me when i was a kid i'm like okay let's take this seriously let's actually let's actually get into this and not just kind of think about it as kind of doing the Star Wars puppetry, but let's get into the roots of what this thing actually means to me. And um, and so I, I was able to do I mean, they really supported it. I was able to jump in and do that. And all with the notion of making a great Star Wars movie. I wasn't trying to like, you know, do anything but, about but, that. But, 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 Right, uh, in, in a deep way, yeah, exactly. by yeah, by it, yeah. uh, by either subverting or moving away from expectation, yeah, or or by just or not being driven by expectations. Right. I guess the only expectation being I'm going to I'm going to tap into everything that I think Star Wars is. It's like I'm going to put it all into this movie. Well, and, my yeah. my girlfriend is a big fan of it. Oh, nice! That's and I good. know, and yeah. I've talked to her about it because it's it's not my world that mm. there is sort of like two camps. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, but yeah. it seems like the other camp is sort of like we just want the same thing. <laughs> why can't it just be the Star Wars? <laughs> How did why did I, he why did Luke throw away the lightsaber at the beginning? <laughs> I'm not gonna look. I'm gonna be. I'll be. I'll be diplomatic, but also true here, which is growing up as a Star Wars fan. I'm not gonna speak ill of anyone for what they like and don't like. Yeah, you know, it's that's the whole thing is arguing on the playground. People like things. People dislike. But, but things. deeper it's than all that, part of that. You know, it, yeah. But deeper than that, it's it's yeah. what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, it's belief systems. Yeah, well, and, absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, this. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you've sort of you entered this yeah. realm. Yes, of life defining <laughs> mythology. I know. And, I know. And you had control uh, over it <laughs> for a large swath of people <laughs> who were like, "This was it, man." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. It's it's retroactively terrifying. <laughs> but it's also. I mean, I don't know. I think the only thing you can do is. Is turn the gaze is inward and and because for me it was like like forget about the expectations of it being yeah. religion to people for me it was it it was the basis of um it really was like the myth that I used as a child to transition into yeah. adulthood it was that kind of bedrock and so all I had to do was really honestly try and look inward and say what does this thing mean to me and how can I how can I put that on the screen as honestly as possible and that was you know that that was kind of all yeah, that, that and, and the that people that him. felt that received it that way yeah they do really and that's been the incredible thing is is the years since it's come out talking to people who have connected with it on that level it's it's the sort of thing i mean if you, you know, tell stories for a living you just dream about people having that connection with something that you made well you it, it feels like one of those movies that over time yeah. has yeah. garnered respect yeah 
and its own following yeah and 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 people who realize what you were trying to do which was yeah. to go deeper with a franchise it could have been just hackneyed uh, it's it's felt really really good just like and i i mean i've i don't know chop, soup to nuts the whole process but also the whole process of it coming out and like the experience with the fans it's been I don't know. I just, I, yeah, it's, it yeah, you've had to do to say, some, I, I feel really blessed, you know. I yeah, you've know, had yeah. to do some real uh, uh, lightsabering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, also some growth. Even that part of it's healthy. Even what the the troll battles. It, it I, well, in a way, I mean, look, and this is in the context of being like, you know, uh, like there's a lot of people who are making Star Wars stuff now who are having or. I, knowing that I'm like you know a straight white dude, basically. But you know, Tony Gilroy like thinks it's the greatest of thing of his career right now. Oh, I, I I have been saving that series up. I haven't watched it. I keep hearing it's incredible because I've yeah. been so busy lately. I hear it's phenomenal. Oh, yeah, yeah, he he yeah, he's yeah. like completely immersed in it. Oh my god, and yeah, he's a genius. Yeah. yeah, he's fantastic. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but even dealing with the trolls, even yeah. even even getting over the notion that if somebody on the internet doesn't like me, I'm doing something wrong. That was a huge because before Star Wars, we all have Wars, to do that, don't we? Yeah, we do at some point. It's like, <laughs> it's like a rite of passage. Yes, yeah, trial by fire. When, when you're in your forties, <laughs> you like not to be, succumb to the infantilism yeah, exactly. of social media trolling. I know there's it's hard, dude. There because they'll push your be buttons, tough. man. They know exactly how to, how to push. But uh, have you gotten to the point where the button pushing doesn't doesn't work? Uh, I don't know if it totally doesn't work. Yeah. But I, I can choose not to engage. You have your coping. Yeah, you're, right. you're kind of like- Yeah, yeah I'm not numb. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. I'll, still, yeah. Uh, I'll yeah. still feel a sting. Yeah. yeah. But I, yeah. I don't have yeah. to be like, no, no, you can do it. <laughs> there was a time if one person said something shitty about me, I thought I have to fix this. You know what I mean? I had, yeah, well, that's yeah. what, what's interesting about the notion of the internet. Yeah. That, that there, there's this weird thing that happens in our brain that, you know, you get one of those people and all of a sudden it's like- the entire infrastructure yeah. of the internet doesn't like you. <laughs> exactly. And it's one fucking exactly. guy. Exactly. Or even 10 guys. I'll tell you, it's like, I, well, it's amazing to me. I don't, it's, I get almost nearly zero yeah. negativity in my feed. And over the years, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've, over the past five years, I probably, I don't know how many people I blocked, but it's like in the hundreds probably. Of course. And that's it. Yeah. And it's gone. It's like, I don't know. They're done. Yeah. It's like, you'll notice that more from message boards. Yeah. Is that, you know, it's harder to notice on Twitter that it's really a handful of people. That's the thing. Yeah. It's not like this huge number. You're like, oh, that's the same guy. (laughs) I think that's the same guy with those three accounts, (laughs) you know? It's a learning curve. So your your wife is like this Hollywood historian. Yeah. Yeah. She was a critic. When we first met, she was a critic for the Village Where'd you meet her? Um, Well, we kind of... And we kind of knew each other like on the internet, but then we first met when she's she good doing, internet. He's good internet. <laughs> internet can be good. We first met met when I was uh, she moderated a Q and A for the Brothers Bloom for that movie. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, wow. Yeah. And uh, then a few years later, she moved back to L.A. She's from L.A. She grew up here. Oh yeah. She's living in New York, and uh, yeah. And then that's now she's digging in to all the sordid business. She's digging into the root of Hollywood. It's it's Does pretty it fascinate it's you. It. Oh my God. Well, it's 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 amazing because it's. Um, because we do very different things, but our interests are overlap. And so every, you know, she always has stuff to watch for her podcast. And so I, it's like, I get to kind of live in film school. It's amazing. Oh, good. Yeah, man. it's pretty great. In a good way. It's great. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. this new thing you're doing with, with oh, Natasha? Oh, Natasha. Natasha. Uh, it's called Poker Face. It's kind of a, it's kind of a throw. We're finishing it up now. It's going to be uh, January on Peacock, yeah. and it's it's Peacock. Kind of, Peacock. Natasha Leone. Peacock. It's kind yeah. of it's kind of a throwback to the 
case of the week style, like Rockford Files, Columbo. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, so it's not like one mystery over a whole season. It's every single episode is a new setting and a new mystery that she solves. And it's, uh, yeah, it's Natasha Leon kind of channeling Columbo. You know, it's, that's great. It's fun. It's super fun. I'm really proud of it. It's it's uh, Columbo. It's I really remember there's yeah. a there's an episode of Columbo that I remember. Which one? The one where there's a murder by a pool. Oh, with the ice. Yeah, that's so with the good. ice. So, and that has my favorite ending. Of I'm not sure I remember them. the ending. It's um, it's just they. It's like a thing where he's figured out that like the chiming clock would have been there if it on the phone call. Yeah, but it's they do it without any dialogue, and Columbo's just like holds up a finger and listens, and the chiming clock starts going, and you see in the guy's eyes that he's fucked. Yeah, and Columbo goes like this, and then it just freeze frames and goes to credit. It's so it's so elegant I, and so good. And I've just spoiled it for anyone who's listening. Yeah, yeah, you can spoil yeah. things that are fifty years old. Yeah, I guess I'm allowed. Um, yeah. But yeah, but I remember as a kid, like the ice, of course, like it's not Courtney. <laughs> with them, that moment he goes where there's no chlorine. It's no chlorine, in it. so good. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Oh, it's so good. It's I love the one and he poured in a storm with Donald Pleasance, which is uh, him as the wine salesman, like the wine affectionate. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they they work it out so Columbo gets him to to basically bust himself because he can't help himself by like spitting out wine that's like gone bad. And yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That is the clue. But Donald Pleasance is just like so good at all these TV. Oh yeah, ca- yeah. all these character yeah, actors yeah. who would come in and do it and like yeah. Oh, just remember, there's a water turn. What was the water turn in? Uh, well, it wasn't the same in Chinatown. Oh but, yeah, yeah. Salt but, water in the lungs. Yeah. Salt water. Yeah, yeah I got water. Yeah. He drowned. I got that's water right. at him. Uh, but, but but right. But then he he drowned he drowned him in the tide pool in the backyard. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Salt water bad for the grass. Bad for the grass. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good talking to you, man. This was a pleasure, man. Thank and, you uh, so much. I'm I'm excited about uh, I'm gonna I'm now gonna watch your your lost movie. Yeah, let me know what do you think. Man? Yeah, and uh, I'm excited to see this detective thing. I might have to I would have to do a lot of background um, viewing to really fully assess the Star Wars movie properly. Don't sweat it. <laughs> you could you watch Brothers book. You'll be fine. <laughs> there you go. Smart guy. You can watch Glass Onion on Netflix starting this Friday. His detective series with Natasha Leone. Poker Face premieres next month on Peacock. Hang out for a minute, will you? Can you just hang out? Please hang out, will you? People, if you want to submit a question for an upcoming episode of Ask Mark Anything, we've got the link in the episode description. Send me a question and sign up for the full Marin to hear the answers. If you're already a WTF Plus subscriber, don't forget about the referral code we sent you. Give that out to as many people as you want, and they get a free month of WTF Plus when they sign up. This week on the Full Marin, we're continuing our look back at Morning Sedition with our series Good Morning Geniuses, and I have a reunion with our old board op, Chris Lopresto. Mostly I remember you in, in I don't know if it was a, a mild state of uh, anger and panic, or it was just your style of board opping, but it always seemed to be, we always seem to be on the edge of something. <laughs> well, I mean, you weren't exactly the easiest of uh, hosts that I've ever encountered. Really? You were, yeah, <laughs> you were like the Tasmanian devil every morning. You would well, but- like, yeah, you pop into the studio like the Kool Aid Man with your Dunkin' Donuts in one hand, your stool and papers in the other, and be like, "What the fuck? What yeah. are you doing?" And I, I was, I just had to try to hold it all together. So, and like all your other producers, they would all leave 
And yeah. I would just, and the, the door would shut and I'm in the room with you, a caged animal. And I was yeah. just trying to trying to, you know, survive. Yeah. So that was it. You were you were like just managing my insanity. Sign up for WTF Plus at the link in the episode description or go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF Plus. On Thursday's show, we've got Scott Cooper, director of Crazy Heart, Black Mass and the new film, The Pale Blue Eyes. Now I'm stuck in this open G and uh I rolled and I tumbled into it. Monkey LaFonda, cat angels everywhere. <laughs>